Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. The following program is a production of Chilling Entertainment and the creative team at Chilling Tales for Dark Nights and a proud member of the Simply Scary Podcast Network. Visit simplyscarypodcast.com to learn more about this and our other weekly storytelling programs. And become a patron today to show your support and get instant access to our extensive archive of downloadable ad-free tales of terror. Thank you for listening, and enjoy the show. Today's episode of Scary Stories Told in the Dark is brought to you by Shudder, the premium streaming video service from AMC Networks with the largest, fastest-growing selection of horror, thriller, and supernatural content in the world. I'll be back after our first story tonight to tell you a little more about Shudder and a special offer for those of you in our listening audience. While you're waiting, sign up for my official podcast mailing to be entered to win monthly giveaways and custom stories, plus access to exclusive subscriber-only narrations and inside updates. To subscribe, visit simplyscarypodcast.com slash Otis. That's simplyscarypodcast.com slash O-T-I-S. And thanks so much for signing up and for your support. It means a lot to me. Now, it's time to get started. So go ahead and lock your doors. Double check under your bed. You never know what might have crawled beneath it while I've had you distracted. (laughs) Stay tuned. Your weekly delivery of nightmares has arrived. Good evening. I'm storyteller Otis Gyre, and I ain't your grandfather. From where I'm from, we don't do bedtime stories. And if that's what you were expecting, you're in the wrong place. If it's terrifying tales you're after, well then, I've got just the thing. Get comfortable, settle in, turn off the lights, if you dare. Your night is about to get a whole lot darker. (laughs) Who needs sleep anyway? 
Good evening. You're listening to Scary Stories Told in the Dark. Welcome to Season 5, Episode 1. I'm your host, Otis Jiry. In tonight's episode, the very first of our brand new fifth season, I'll be performing three stories for you, all of them part of an interconnected, epic novella-length drama from author Starless and Bible Black. You're listening to the standard edition of tonight's program, which contains the first two installments of tonight's tale. If you'd like to show your support and enjoy an extended version of this and other episodes with twice the tear, visit simplyscarypodcast.com and click Patrons in the upper menu to sign up today. Thank you for your support. Now, it's time to... Take a walk together down the moonlit trail. So lock your doors, turn your lights down low, and settle in. The show is about to begin. <laughs> We begin tonight's program with the first installment of Starless and Bible Black's epic three-part Texas trilogy. In it, we visit a town experiencing a drought, where difficult choices will be needed to be made in order to survive. Just what would you do to avoid such a fate? Let's hope you never have to find out. Without further ado, I present to you Part one of the Texas Trilogy, A Sunset in Texas. Cooper's eyes slowly opened, but his surroundings remained blurred as his vision began to focus. The afternoon sunlight was partially blocked by thick canvas curtains, causing a sickly yellow light to fill the room. Almost immediately, a jolt of pain throbbed on the back of his head. After a few moments of agony, it dulled to a pulsing discomfort. While the shape of a couch and end table began to come into clearer view, he attempted to lift his hands from the armrests of the rocking chair. His movement was restrained as he was met with the jagged edges of old cable ties cinched tightly around his wrists. Feeling confusion at first, it soon gave way to an overwhelming sense of panic as he fought against the bindings. I'd advise against struggling. Cooper lifted his head as a voice from another room echoed towards him. To his left, he could see the shadow of a man standing over a table. The black shape lifted a knife and brought it down in one fell swoop. The metal blade made a mighty chop as it contacted the butcher's block. Just give me a few minutes to finish up my work. I typically find it rude to keep my guests waiting, but this is a matter that simply cannot wait. Without waiting for Cooper to give any sort of rebuttal, the man's shadow went back to chopping meat. Cooper's vision had now returned to its full clarity as he blinked away any remaining fuzziness. A vintage television set sat on the shelf on the opposite wall. To his left, the couch came into full view. 
While one cushion looked untouched, the other had clearly been slightly worn by years of use. To his right, he could see a hallway leading to a flight of stairs in the front door. All done, the voice said with calm delight as the door to a refrigerator snapped shut. Cooper sat petrified while the stranger's heavy boots thudded on the hardwood floor. Soon enough, he turned the corner and stood in the doorway. The man stood, to Cooper's best guess, a hair over six foot. A shirt stained with blood at the rolled-up cuffs hung loosely over his gaunt frame. The skin of his face was pulled tight over his jaw and cheekbones. Patchy stubble dappled parts of his face. I apologize for making you wait. That took much longer than expected he said while motioning toward the kitchen. Although Cooper was unable to see what he was referencing, he had no interest in finding out what it was. Dinner's on the stove should be ready in a few minutes. I take it you'll be joining me? Cooper looked down at his wrist and back up at the man. I guess I really don't have a choice now, do I? Uh, this caused the man to let out a bellowing laugh and slap his knee. While he made a spectacle of himself, Cooper sat in silent observance. Let me tell you something, Cooper. You certainly aren't like any of the others that have been here. You have a sense of humor. You may look boring in your driver's license photo, but you seem to be anything but. Still chuckling, the man walked out of the room and returned to the kitchen. Cooper heard him open a cabinet and pull out plates and silverware with a rattle. While he set the table for dinner, Cooper looked around the room and studied his surroundings more. The sun was sinking lower, causing the light being filtered by the curtains to now be slightly tinged orange. Although the house was likely decades old, the stranger obviously took good care of it. Every surface was free of dust, and the floor lacked any imperfections, save for a few stains here and there. All right, everything's set. The man returned from the kitchen with a small paring knife clenched in his slender fingers. A wave of fear swept through Cooper as his imagination raced at the possibilities that lay ahead. His eyes went wide as they locked on the knife. In turn, the stranger lifted his empty hand in a sign of calming. Oh, don't worry. I'm not going to use this to hurt you unless you don't follow my instructions. He knelt in front of Cooper and slipped the blade between the cable tie and the leg of the chair. Now, I'm going to cut you free so you can come sit at the table for dinner. You are only to walk from this chair to the place I set for you. I don't want to have any trouble, but trust me, when I say that things will get real ugly real quick if you cross me. Got it? Cooper simply nodded and continued to remain motionless. The man slid the blade and cut the tie. He continued to cut the others until Cooper was no longer restrained. Standing up, the stranger motioned for Cooper to join him in the kitchen. Please, uh, walk slowly and remember no funny business. Cooper listened and walked to the kitchen and sat down in his new seat without any problems. As he tucked the chair under the lip of the table, 
His captor approached the seat on the opposite end. Before sitting down, he withdrew a large pistol from his waistband and placed it next to his silverware. This is the first time I didn't have to use this on one of my guests. They typically make a run for either the front or the back door. If you happen to look at the floor in the living room, you should be able to tell that they never made it that far. The more I get to know you, the more I like you, Coop. Cooper gave a forced grin, while his mind raced with images of numerous other victims being gunned down no less than ten feet away from where he sat. At least that explained the stains on the floor. The visions unsettled him, but he made sure to keep his composure. Whatever situation he was in, he needed to remain calm if he had the slightest hope of getting out of this mess intact. Is it all right if I call you Coop? I don't want it to seem informal, the man said while scooping mashed potatoes onto both plates. That's fine. What do you want me to call you? Cooper asked while attempting to keep his composure. The task was growing more and more difficult as time went on. Oh, how rude of me. I forgot to introduce myself. You can call me Gunner. Cooper gave him a confused look as Gunner slid a plate loaded with food in front of him. It was my father's idea to name me that, and I never questioned my old man. Gunner slapped a cut of meat on his plate and placed the lid back over the pan. Taking his seat once more, he neatly folded a crease in his napkin before placing it in his lap. Cooper glanced around the kitchen and observed the small room. The dishes Gunner had used to cook dinner were already washed and drying in the rack next to the sink. All dishes and food items were hidden away in cabinets, leaving the kitchen spotless. He had yet to see anything out of place in the house, leaving him to ponder on the obsessive nature of this man. Coop, I'm going to make a deal with you. I didn't shackle you to that chair because you didn't attempt to run from the living room. If you continue to behave yourself, I'll consider letting you off easier than I intended. Cooper stopped cutting his food and looked up from his plate. Gunner continued to scoop some mashed potatoes onto his fork and into his mouth, acting as if what he had said should not warrant any questions. May I ask what you mean by letting me off easier? That'll come in time. Now, let's get to know each other. So tell me, Coop, what's your story? Before Cooper spoke, his mind raced with the possibilities of Gunner's statement. Deciding it was best to play along with this twisted game, he knew acting casually was his best defense. Well, I, I actually live one state over in Louisiana. I was in Houston for a business meeting and driving home when Cooper trailed off as his mind drew a blank. He attempted to remember how he got into the man's house, but every image that came into his mind's eye was fuzzy at best. When I found you, Gunner let out. Cooper's head shot up and his gaze locked with Gunner's. In the orange glow of the Texas sunset, Gunner sat still in his chair. 
The room was now washed in the light, causing Gunner's shadow to loom over them on the wall behind him. He rested his elbows on the table and drummed his fingers on the edge of his glass. Is it starting to come back to you, Coop? He asked with a small grin pulled at the corners of his mouth. At that moment, everything came back to Cooper in a sudden burst. He remembered standing on the side of the interstate. His car had a flat tire, and he flagged down the first car coming in his direction. It had pulled onto the shoulder, and Gunner stepped out with a tire iron. Although he had thought much of it at the time, Cooper realized he should have been more cautious. He remembered showing Gunner the gash in the wall of his tire when the blow hit the back of his head. From there, his vision began to blur before he succumbed to darkness. I guess you remember now. Sorry about hitting you a little too hard. You just seemed so big that I didn't want to take any chances of not taking you out on the first try. Cooper continued to stare down at his plate. The bump on the back of his head throbbed once again, and his hands began to tremble. Outside, birds chirped in a tree, and a slight breeze made the wind chime on the porch uh, and let out a few solemn notes. Why? Gunner swallowed the bite he had taken and gently rested his fork down on the table. I'll need you to speak up, Coop. Working with power tools all these years has left my hearing a fraction of what it used to be. Why? Why'd you do this to me? Gunner took a sip from his glass, making sure to not break eye contact with his guest. There it is. Every time I've had a guest over, the conversation always reaches a point where they question my reasoning. I must say, though, Coop, you're the calmest one I've ever had. May I ask why that is? Certainly this must frighten you to some extent. Cooper decided at this moment to lay out all his cards on the table. This was make or break. Does. But I feel that remaining cool and collected is my best chance of leaving. For the first time that night, Gunner frowned. Without saying a word, he gathered his plate and glass and carried them over to the sink. The garbage disposal word to life. His leftover food scraps were jettisoned into its metallic jaws. I thought that by now you would have understood that I can't let you leave. I'll admit that you were the first person to be calm and respectful about it, but I still can't let you leave. He flipped a switch, and the hum of the disposal slowly died. Gunner began washing his plate with his eyes, staring out at the setting sun. The lower it sank toward the horizon, the more orange the room became. I'm going to give you fair warning that what I say next is typically what drives my guests over the edge, if that hadn't already happened. You're different from the others, so... I'm expecting that you'll take this with a slight bit of discomfort, but no extreme over-exaggeration. Gunner slid the plate in the slot on the drying rack and dried off his hands with a crisp white towel. I kidnapped people with the intent to eat them. 
Goper felt his body tense in fear. As his mind attempted to firmly grasp this new information, he felt a tear escape the corner of his eye and roll down his cheek. Now I know that sounds bad, and I must sound borderline psychotic for trying to downplay it, but I have my reasoning. It's kind of a long story, so please bear with me. Gunner sat back down in his seat and made himself comfortable. You see, I dropped out of high school without getting my diploma. This left my career choices to be less than desirable. The only option I was left with was working in my father's repair shop. We'd take in vehicles with large engines like tractors or oversized trucks used for hauling. He forced me to do the menial tasks like scraping rust and cleaning off oil and grease. It was far from being the ideal life, but it put food on the table, bid barely. Cooper continued to stare at the table, but managed to take in every word that left Gunner's mouth. A few more tears escaped from his eyes, leaving lines through the dirt on his face. You see, Coop, this town suffered a major crisis some fifteen years ago. We had a major drought, causing most of the crops to wither away and perish. The little water we had was spent keeping livestock barely clinging to life. The ones that lived long enough to be taken to slaughter were too malnourished to yield any meat worth eating. After all, the meat was deemed uneatable. The town met in the city hall to discuss how to move forward. We argued for hours, but every solution was shot down almost immediately. Just when we thought there was no middle ground in sight, my father came up with an idea. We should eat a few residents. Cooper slowly looked up from the table and locked eyes with his captor. He explained that we should only eat what was necessary for the town's survival. The Wakerist would sacrifice themselves for the betterment of the townspeople. At first... No one said a word. As I looked around the room, a few people stared at my father with blank expressions. Some glared at him with bewilderment and disgust, while others didn't really know how to react to such a horrid recommendation. Eventually, a few people spoke up in agreement with the idea, causing those opposed to start a shouting match. My father slammed his fist on the table and received everyone's full undivided attention. He suggested putting it up to a vote. When he asked for those in support to raise their hands, roughly a quarter of the town did so. When he asked for those opposed to the vote, another quarter of the town raised their hands, leaving almost half the town undecided. Suddenly gunshots rang out through the room, Everyone who had voted in opposition slumped forward in their seats. Some people screamed, some people cried, some sat in complete calm. My father had arranged the whole ordeal before the meeting. His closest friends had all agreed that cannibalism was the only option they had left and felt it necessary to take out anyone who would try to block their path. As the bodies were pulled from the room, my father informed everyone who had not voted that 
he was going to be in control of handing out everyone's rations. You would either take meat for your family or be gunned down on the spot. Anyone caught trying to contact state authorities or leave would also be met with a grim demise. Cooper sat in silence as he absorbed the information. Wherever this place was, he was now caught up in a mess of a situation. The bodies of those at the meeting were dried and preserved for future consumption. When that supply finally ran out, my father and a few of his buddies resorted to abducting stranded motorists. He knew better than to pick them all up near the town, so he would drive out in his work truck and pick up fresh meat all over the eastern part of the state. This new practice of picking up innocent victims went on for a couple of months, but eventually the drought ended, and the town slowly began to mend its wounds. However, some of the residents still had a craving for human flesh. My father didn't see the need in continuing the operation, if it was no longer necessary, for their survival. He made a deal with those who still wanted the meat that he would supply them with it on special occasions like Christmas, the 4th of July, or someone's birthday. Lifting the pistol from the table and pointing it square in the center of Cooper's chest, Gunner chuckled to himself. If it's any consolation to you, you're a gift for a girl who's celebrating her 16th birthday tomorrow. She's been looking forward to it for months now, and I'm sure you won't disappoint her. Gunner laid down the pistol and walked over to the refrigerator. Opening the door, he withdrew two beers. He popped the caps off into the trash can and set one down in front of Cooper. I really do like you, Coop. You've been so respectful to me. So I'll treat you to one last beer before I take you outside. I know it's not the ideal circumstances to have a final drink in, but I feel obliged to offer. Cooper sat motionless and stared at the beer. Condensation rolled down the hazy brown bottle before settling on the table in a small pool. Now, I know you probably want to say goodbye to your friends and family, but we both know why I can't let you do that, so go ahead and enjoy your drink before we get started. I hate my father. Cooper muttered under his breath. Gunner lowered the neck of the bottle from his lips and gently rested it down on the table with a soft clank. What was that? I said I hate my father. Cooper let out through gritted teeth. Gunner's eyes opened just a hair wider as he was taken slightly aback by the admission. Never before had one of his victims stated resentment for a parent. Oh, why's that? Cooper lifted his head up and glared with intense destination, burning in his eyes. He's a bitter and abusive old man who took every chance he got to demean me whether I actually deserved it or not. Gunner rested his elbows on the table, a look of interest crossing his face. He motioned with his hand for Cooper to continue. Every time something would go wrong at work, he'd come home and take it out on me. Because my mother had died giving birth to me, my father and I started out from the very beginning on the wrong foot. 
If I got below a B on my report card, he'd yell at me and make sure I felt guilty for my mom dying. Every little slip-up I made was met with a punishment exponentially worse than the action that brought it. His favorite thing to do was to tell me how, if she had lived through it all, she would be disappointed in what a disgusting disgrace of a son I'd become. This all continued all the way through high school. When it was time for me to choose the career path I wanted to take, he forced me to study engineering just like him. I wanted to go into something like medicine or physical therapy. I wanted to feel that I was directly bettering someone's life, but he wanted to hear nothing of it. He was paying for my tuition and held that over my head and used it as leverage. As miserable as it was, I got my degree and found a job. We both work at the same firm, but I feel to this day that he wanted me to be an engineer so he could continue to abuse me at work. I made good pay, but I'm not exactly happy. Gunner remained silent and attentive. So, to answer your question in a lengthy way, no. I don't want to say goodbye to my father. He's a monster. And I wish him the cruelest fate imaginable. I'm no saint, but compared to him, I'm close enough. I just... just wish that horrible man gets what he deserves in the end. Gunner sat in silence for a few moments. After letting his mind process its thoughts, he finished off the last of his beer. He walked over to the trash can and discarded it. Staring out of the window, he watched as the last orange slivers of the sun vanished over the horizon. What if we make sure he does? Cooper turned around and gave Gunner a puzzled look. What are you suggesting? I'm going to make a deal with you, Coop. I like you, I really do. If you can get your dad to come here, I'll let him take your place. Of course, you still can't go home, but you can live here with me. I know it may not be the most ideal situation for you, but hopefully you'll find it better than being served at the party tomorrow. I'll give you a few minutes to think it over, so go, uh, I'll do it. Gunner turned around with a slight look of bewilderment at how quickly Cooper had made up his mind. Are you sure? Cooper gripped the edge of the table slightly at the thought of his father finally getting the treatment he deserved. After all these years, vengeance was within his grasp. Without saying another word, he nodded. Well then, I'll give you the phone. Go ahead, give him a call, ask him to come pick you up. Gunner turned and pulled the phone from the receiver mounted on the wall. Handing it to Cooper, he gave him a final look, asking that he was fully confident in what he was about to initiate. And without hesitation, Cooper took the phone and dialed his father's number into the keypad. I hope you're happy with yourself. I'd reschedule my whole day, as well as tomorrow, to come out and get your ass back home. Cooper's father slammed the door to his car shut and marched towards the front porch. Cooper stood on the steps with his hands in his pockets and his head hanging low. Gunner stood in the doorway, watching in quiet observance. You'll be reimbursing me for the gas I wasted, hauling that trailer out here to take your car home. 
Cooper nodded his head and didn't say a word. And I expect you to pay this man for towing your car here, feeding you and letting you spend the night. I apologize for all this, mister. Hanson, Gunner said while extending his hand out. Cooper's father shook it. Pleasure to meet you. My name's Keith. I apologize it wasn't under better circumstances. Uh, it was really no trouble. Your son's really a fine man. Keith rolled his eyes and muttered something under his breath. Believe me, if you'd live with him, you'd think a lot differently. Keith turned and walked down the steps. The humid summer was starting to take its toll, causing him to loosen his tie. All right, Cooper, let's get your car loaded up and get the hell out of here. I'm already starting to break a sweat, so you'll have to buy me a new shirt after all this. Keith stepped onto the grass and started in the direction of Cooper's car behind the house. He stopped after a few paces to find Cooper still standing on the steps of the house. His gaze was directed out at the setting sun. What are you, deaf too? I say let's go. Cooper remained motionless and bathed in the orange glow of the Texas sunset. The wind blew, causing small pieces of dead grass to swirl around his feet. I don't have time for this shit. Keith muttered as he trudged back in his son's direction. Grabbing his son's arm, he attempted to pull him off the steps. When Cooper refused to budge, the father grabbed his arm with both hands and pulled harder. Suddenly, Cooper took his free arm and wrapped it around his father's neck. Pulling him close, he removed his other arm from Keith's grasp and retrieved the knife from his pocket. Withdrawing the rusted and stained blade, Cooper gave his father one last look before bringing it against his neck. With one quick motion, he slid his father's throat. The knife made a sickening, tearing sound as it tore the flesh of Keith's neck open. Cooper dropped the blade and placed his hand over the wound. As the blood seeped between his fingers, he closed his eyes and let out a heavy breath. The warm, crimson fluid flowed down the back of his hand and soon meandered around his arm before seeping into his shirt sleeves. Opening his eyes once more, Cooper watched as the life slowly fled his father's eyes. Keith slowly lifted an arm and brought his hand up to his son's face. His fingers lightly caressed his cheek before his body began going limp. Cooper removed his hand from over his father's throat as his body collapsed and he plummeted it to the ground. Nice job, son. Quick, but painful. Gunner let out from behind him. Cooper turned, keeping his face expressionless. Let's go ahead and bring him to the barn so we can drain before we serve him tomorrow. You need any help? Cooper stood over his father's body as blood continued to gush from the jagged slit in his neck. It pooled under his head, turning the dirt and grass underneath a dark brown. I'll handle it myself. Without saying another word, Gunner walked ahead to open the barn doors. Cooper grabbed his father's ankles and pulled the body through the grass, leaving a trail of blood in his wake. With each step, the sun sank lower in the sky. The wind blew and the crops swayed in the heat. 
Nearing the barn, Cooper dropped Keith's ankles, causing his legs to slam onto the ground and kick up a small cloud of dust. He retrieved the length of chain lying next to the door and brought it over to his father. Wrapping the chain around his ankles, he fastened the loop over the hook at the end and pulled the bundle tight. Behind him, Gunner pulled the doors open as they groaned on their hinges. The smell of oil and old wood flooded out, filling Cooper's nose with something else besides the smell of blood and grass. The light hanging over the entrance to the massive barn flickered to life with a loud crackle. It hummed and began to draw in bugs. Gunner propped the doors open with two chunks of concrete and leaned against the frame. Motioning for Cooper to follow him inside, he vanished into the darkness. Cooper looked at the horizon as the sun finally vanished, leaving him surrounded by darkness save for the light on the barn. Cicadas buzzed around him as they welcomed the slightly cooler weather of the night. Lifting his blood-stained hand up to his nose and inhaling deeply, Cooper smiled and pulled his father into the barn. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. I hope you enjoyed part one of the Texas trilogy, A Sunset in Texas, from author Starless and Bible Black, as performed by yours truly. Up next, we've got another installment of tonight's epic Texas trilogy. If the first part left you hungry for more... <laughs> then you'll want to keep listening and get the full-course meal. Before I proceed, however, I'd like to tell you a bit about tonight's sponsor, Shudder, the only video streaming service for horror fans like you and I, and a special offer they've got for those of you listening in tonight. AMC Network's Shudder is a premium streaming video service, super-serving members with the best selection in genre entertainment covering horror, thrillers, and the supernatural. Shudder's expanding library of film, TV series, and originals is available on most streaming devices in the U.S., Canada, the U.K., Ireland, and Germany. You can stream great thrillers, horror, and suspense for just $5.99 per month, or save yourself nearly $15 and sign up annually for only $56.99 per year. 
Shudder has the largest, fastest-growing human-curated selection of thrilling and dangerous entertainment. Think of it as the Netflix of horror. You can count on Shudder.com to keep you guessing with the unexpected. Each and every week, new edge-of-your-seat suspense, spine-tingling thrillers, and shocking horrors are added to their already formidable library. And now, Shudder features the best movie, 2017's One Cut of the Dead, and the best horror movie of 2019, Tigers Are Not Afraid, according to Rotten Tomatoes. And Shudder is uncluttered, too. After signing up, you'll have unlimited access to stream ad-free on all your favorite devices, including iPhone and iPad, Apple TV, Android devices, Roku, Amazon Fire TV, Google Chromecast, and for our gamers out there, Xbox One. So, no matter what your device of choice may be, there's no need to go without your fix of the frightening. Shudder's got your back. And best of all, Shudder's content is unparalleled in the genre, with their unique collection of exclusive and original films and series, horror classics and blockbuster hits, hits including the hit Creepshow TV series, produced by Greg Nick Otero of The Walking Dead. You'll never run out of nightmare fuel. We here at Scary Stories Told in the Dark have been signed up with Shudder for years now, and I can't believe what we were missing out on. Collections like classic slashers, Take me back to the glory days of suspense. And if you're in the mood for some femme fidels, the Vengeance is Hers set will make certain you'll never underestimate a woman's penchant for mayhem again. And of course, there are horror comedies too, so you can enjoy a good laugh on someone else's expense. <laughs> My team and I love the classics, so that alone was worth the price of admission for us. Once you add in all the vast collection of new content and their extensive, exclusive library, none of which you'll find on Netflix, there's no reason to ever look anywhere else for our horror film fix. The exclusives they have, and always are adding, are absolutely incredible. Their new exclusive series, The Deadlands, premiering January 23rd, for example, features a slain Maori warrior, Waku Nuku Grau, who's sent back to the world of the living to redeem his sins. But the world Waka returns to is ravaged by a breach between that of the living and of the dead, as the spirits of the newly deceased now stalk the land and hunt its inhabitants. Follow Waku and his companion, Mehe, as they work to close the rift and restore balance. The series presents elements of action, adventure, and the supernatural, and was produced with a special focus on the heritage of the indigenous Maori tribe of New Zealand. Catch new episodes streaming every Thursday. All of this is just the tip of the blood-soaked iceberg. There's so much more lurking inside, just waiting to be discovered. Shudder always got something amazing to look forward to. Besides the incredible creep show, and Tigers Are Not Afraid, 
you can check out a ton of other exclusives included with your membership, such as Shudder's exclusive Belzebeth and Lizzie, or Mandy starring Nicolas Cage. Or if you're in the mood for something a bit more real, their latest original documentary, Horror Noir, is available to stream right now. If you're anything like me, you won't want to miss any of these films, and you won't have to once you sign up. So what are you waiting for? All this month, and much, much more, is available and at your fear-loving fingertips for just $5.99 a month. And this month, as a listener of my program, you can try Shudder totally free for 30 days and get started streaming the best horror, thriller, and supernatural content. Included in your membership is access to Shudder's expertly curated collection, which once again includes titles like the acclaimed Tigers Are Not Afraid, One Cut of the Dead, Revenge, and the Creepshow TV series, produced by Greg Nicotero, and the all-new series, The Deadlands, premiering January 23rd. That's right. To try Shudder for 30 days, go to Shudder.com. That's S-H-U-D-D-E-R.com, and use promo code TOLD to let them know that Otis Jari and the scary stories told in the dark sent you. Simple as that. Once again, that's S-H-U-D-D-E-R dot com and promo code TOLD. That promo code lets the kind folks at Shudder know that Otis and the team at Scary Stories Told in the Dark sent you. Thanks so much for listening and for giving Shudder a try this month. What have you got to lose except for maybe some sleep? Shit. <laughs> I need sleep anyway. <laughs> Now that we've delivered you a fuel tank of nightmare fuel courtesy of Shudder, allow me to rekindle my own digital campfire with the second installment of Starless and Bible Black's epic trilogy. Without further ado, I present to you part two of the Texas trilogy, Midnight in Texas. Cooper jostled slightly in his seat as the pickup truck bounced its way down the countryside road. The asphalt had long since faded, giving way to cracks and bumps that marred its surface. As his vehicle cruised down the road, he looked out of his window at the fields that flashed by. Rows of corn passed hypnotically by his gaze as his destination drew nearer. He peered in the rearview mirror to see his stepson, Andrew, staring out the window as well. The teenager's blonde hair danced in the air that was streaming through the crack near the top of the window. Cooper's gaze was suddenly diverted back to the front of the cab as his wife placed her hand over his while he gripped the gear shift. Susan gave him a warm smile and squeezed his hand. You know, you really didn't need to take the afternoon off. "'to come out here with us. "'We could have just come the next time you were free from work,' Susan said. "'Cooper grinned as he continued to stare out the windshield. "'Oh, we both needed a break, and I know all three of us missed spending afternoons out here with Gunner.' "'Susan let out a light chuckle that was nearly lost in the wind 
through her open window and the static-laced song emitted from the radio. Finally, Cooper let out under his breath. The familiar white farmhouse Gunner inhabited came into view over top of some low-lying bushes. Cooper let off the accelerator, causing the truck to slow before turning into the gravel driveway. As they drew closer to the familiar home, rocks crunched under the tires and the smell of freshly cut grass entered through the open windows. Andrew perked up in his seat, and his eyes went wide. "'You didn't tell me we were going to visit Uncle Gunner,' he exclaimed without any hesitation to keep the excitement from his tone. Cooper chuckled and glanced at him in the rearview mirror. "'If I told you in advance, you would have been bugging me the whole way here on how much longer it was going to be.' Andrew had now tuned out his stepfather's voice and had his face pressed against the glass. With one final press of the brakes, Cooper brought the truck to a halt with the passenger side facing the front door. As if on cue, the screen door was flung open and Gunner's tall, slender frame stepped out into the sunlight. He wiped the palms of his hands on the front of his pants before outstretching his arms into a welcoming embrace. I was wondering when y'all were going to get here. Gunner let out as Andrew threw open the door to the truck. He bolted across the narrow span of grass that stood between the front steps of the house and the driveway. Andrew shook Gunner's hand and pulled the man into a hug. I know it's only been a couple of months since you were here last, but I can swear that you've grown at least another inch. I figure you would have stopped growing at your age. I'm giving you a run for your money. Maybe I'll make six feet by the end of the summer. Andrew let out as a joke. Gunner rustled his hair and looked up as Cooper stepped out of the truck and walked into their direction. They shook hands, but Cooper quickly found himself being pulled into a bear hug. You should know better than to greet me with just a basic handshake, Gunner said as his voice trailed off into laughter and the end of the sentence. He let go of Cooper as Susan approached with a large smile across her face. Gunner bent down slightly to reach her height and embraced her as well. It's been a good few months since we've seen you as well. Well, my job keeps me busy most of the time. Trust me, there's nothing I'd want more than to just come out here and relax sometimes. Gunner nodded and turned to Andrew, who was now swaying back and forth in the porch swing. You know, Andrew, Gunner called out, a new calf was just born earlier this week. Why don't you and your mama head over to the stables and have a look? It's almost her dinner time anyway. You still remember how to feed the newborns we took care of last summer? Andrew nodded with excitement before bolting down the front steps in long strides and taking off in the direction of the stables on the other side of the property. Susan shook her head with a grin before walking behind him. The boy is sixteen but still gets excited like a child when he comes here, Susan said with a laugh as she quickened her pace to catch up with him. Once the two were out of earshot, the smile slowly started to fade from Gunner's face as he turned to look at Cooper. I have a feeling I know what this is about, he said with a concerning neutrality to his tone. Cooper kept his gaze on Andrew and Susan as they continued towards the stables. 
The day was going to come eventually, Gunner. Cooper took in a deep breath as a cool breeze blew across the property. I just wish I had a little more time to prepare my answer properly. Gunner let out. He walked back up the steps with the board squeaking under his weight and Cooper following close behind. Go ahead. Have a seat. Make yourself comfortable. I'll fix us each a drink. I have a feeling we're going to need at least one over the course of this conversation. Cooper let his body collapse into the cradle of the rocking chair. Kicking his feet up in the railing, he slowly pushed himself back and forth as he listened to Gunner fooling around in the kitchen through the screen door. After a couple of minutes, he stepped back outside with a glass in each hand. White Russians, Cooper asked, with an amused hint of surprise in his tone. My God, you really are old-fashioned. Cooper took the glass and stirred the liquors and heavy cream together with a small plastic straw. Gunner took a seat in the chair next to him and stared out over the field adjacent to the property. The air had gradually gotten cooler over the course of the day, evolving from a discomforting heat to an enjoyable coolness. You know, Coop, I've been dreading having this conversation with you ever since you married that girl. Gunner took a sip from his glass while Cooper kept his eyes locked on him in complete silence. I don't mean that in a bad way. Every man in this town needs to have the conversation with their kid at some point. Some people don't mind it because they already know the answer, but others try to put up a fight in fear of the possible disapproval their kid has for our customs. They all know what results from their son or daughter disagreeing, so I can hardly blame the parents for fighting all of this. Gunner let out a heavy sigh before resting his drink on the porch railing. I know that Andrew has no clue what goes on in this town, but do you have any hunch as to how he'll respond when he finds out, Coop? There was a moment of silence between the two men. Bugs chirped in the grass and the faint chuckle of a radio could be heard from somewhere in the house. Cooper swore he could make out the lyrics to The Man in Me by Bob Dylan through the static. They sat without words being said. Gunner had his eyes locked on Cooper while he stared out over the land and thought for a moment. To tell you the truth, Gunner, I have no idea how he's going to respond to all of this. I tried taking him hunting to test the waters... He shot a deer last winter, but he was very hesitant when it came to gutting the thing and harvesting the meat. Cooper made an aggravated sound before pinching the bridge of his nose. That's the only thing even remotely close to testing his feelings about all of this that we've done. I honestly have no idea which way he's going to go with this. and I'm just terrified that... that... they will have to kill him. Gunner let out with no emotion in his tone. Another awkward silence hung in the air as Cooper shuddered at the cold realization he had been so afraid to confront. Cooper stretched and reached for his glass, resting on the porch railing. In one final gulp, he finished off the drink and placed the glass back down on the weathered wood. It's never easy. 
Gunner said while continuing to stare out over his property. Some of the strongest men I've come to know in this town cried like a baby when their kid was taken away. It's never easy for me either. No matter how many times I do it, I don't think I'll ever get over the feeling of knowing that I'm the one responsible for killing someone's child. Then why do we keep doing it? Gunner turned to look at Cooper. He was now sitting fully upright in his chair and staring at him with the most serious look plastered on his face that Gunner had ever seen. Son of a... You know the answer to that, Coop. Don't make me explain it. Cooper sat in silence for a few seconds before grabbing his glass and retreating inside. He sloshed more liquor and heavy cream in the glass, hardly paying attention to the proportions he was now throwing together. As Cooper came back through the doorway, he stirred the light and dark liquids together with his finger before wiping it on his shirt. He took a large sip before falling back into the rocking chair. Let me rephrase the question. I know your reasoning as to what would happen if we didn't do it, but there must have been some incident that caused you to set this in motion. I find it hard to believe that you're doing this just as a precaution. Something did happen, or got really close to happening. Gunner smiled and looked over at Cooper. Sometimes I forget just how smart you are, Coop. There's a damn fine reason you're the only person I have abducted who's walked out of this house alive, he said with a chuckle. Gunner let out a heavy sigh and propped his feet up on a nearby end table. This was probably about twelve years ago. There was a boy named Rodney who was just a year or two younger than Andrew. Now, we were able to get away with not sending our kids to school for a little while, but eventually we knew that they'd need the proper education. Much to my father's disliking, we let them go back to school. It took longer than my father had originally expected, but it was still only about five months before the incident occurred. He was in a class with a few other kids from the town. There was this one girl named Lily who sat next to him for the whole day. They'd grown up together, so it only made sense that they were really good friends. It was because of this that they confided in each other. One day, Lily went home and told her dad that Rodney wanted to go to the police and tell them everything that was going on in this little town. That very night, her father came running to our front door and started banging on it. I was already in bed, but could hear him from downstairs in our living room, explaining everything to my dad. Immediately after this, my father grabbed the shotgun hanging above the fireplace. Nestled under the covers of my bed, I heard him slam the door to his truck and the engine roar to life. As he peeled out of our driveway, my young mind raced, trying not to imagine what he was going to do next. The following day, Rodney wasn't in school. He wasn't there the next day either, or any other day after that. I made the assumption of what had happened, and my old man skirted the question whenever I asked him. It was years later when my old man passed the tradition on to me that he fully explained what had happened that night. He pulled up to Rodney's house with the shotgun slung over his shoulder. 
It was late at night, so his parents answered the door with a lot of confusion. My father told them not to interfere and simply pushed past them and walked upstairs. As Rodney's mother screamed and collapsed to the floor, my father dragged the boy down the stairs, screaming and fighting the entire way down. Gunner paused for a moment. The void of silence was once again filled by the surrounding bugs and soft, blowing breeze that passed through the trees. My father took Rodney outside, let him deep into the property, and put a bullet in the back of his head. Cooper was sitting with his hands clasped together, holding his chin up. His gaze was now forced out over the farmland and the setting sun that was beginning to disappear below the horizon. So you were correct in your assumption, Coop. We don't just do this as some paranoid precaution. We do this because it almost happened, and I don't want anything like that ever happening again. Should anyone discover what goes on in this town, I don't want to be around to witness the fallout the members of our society would have with any armed authority. Have you just considered ending all of this together? Letting the generations that remember and participated in it just fade away with time. Garner chuckled and finished off his drink. He kicked up a leg on the patio railing and rocked himself in his chair. Trust me, I've considered it on more than a few occasions. It'd be a weight off my shoulder, but I don't trust some of the people in this town. There's a reason I'm the sole person who goes out and gets meat for those who want it. I'm terrified that if I gave up the whole thing, those who crave it bad enough would justify my authority and try to get it themselves. Let's face it, not everyone is as smooth, clean, and tedious as I am. I'm terrified that someone would easily get caught and the whole town would be busted. Off in the distance, Cooper could see Andrew and his mother returning from the stables. His stepson had found something which he now held in his hand, but Cooper was unable to make out what it was from a distance. I know it's not ideal, Gunner said in a somewhat defeated manner. However, it's still the best I can do with the situation my father put us in all those years ago. I personally never see an end to this. So the best thing we can do is just try and control it to the best of our abilities. The two men were silent once again. Cooper ran through the multiple scenarios in his head, while Gunner did his best to not let emotion cloud his judgment. If we have to end up going through with it, I want to be the one who does it. Gunner raised an eyebrow and turned to give Cooper a surprised look. You know, I've had parents offer to do the same thing for their kid in the past, but I never really expected that to come out of you. Are you sure you'd be up for it? Killed my own father, didn't I? Cooper said with a sense of pride as he recalled that night in vivid detail. Yeah, but your father was someone that you despised with every fiber of your being. It's a lot different than killing someone that you've come to know and love as your own son. Cooper opened his mouth to respond, but found he was unable to say anything. Look, Coop, 
I'll give you until tomorrow afternoon to go through with all of this. If I pull Andrew aside tomorrow and find out that uh, you haven't asked him about it, then I'll have to do it myself. Now, you and I both know that it would pay me deeply to do this to that poor kid. So for your sake and my sake, I want you to go through with this. Cooper nodded and focused his gaze on the two members of his family as they drew closer to the farmhouse. Andrew came bolting across the yard with a large grin plastered on his face. Clutched in his grasp, Cooper could make out that he held the post of a wrought-iron fence. A spike adorned the top, and rust dabbled numerous spots on its surface. Looks like you found the part of the fence that used to run around this property. That thing fell into disrepair before I was even born, Gunner said while reaching into his pocket and retracting a pocket knife. With one swift motion, he flipped it open and scraped at some of the rust. An orange powder fell into the air, revealing the dark metal underneath. Looks like most of the rust is only on the surface. How about after dinner, you and I go ahead and clean that thing off and get it treated? Andrew nodded his head with excitement and rested the large length of metal against the door frame. Susan opened the screen door and turned her head back as she stepped inside. Andrew, how about you come help me fix dinner? Andrew heeded his mother's instructions and followed her inside. As the sound of shuffling pots and pans echoed through the screen door, Gunner turned back to Cooper with a serious look on his face. If I were you, I'd talk to him after dinner. Should worse come to worse, and you have to, take care of him. I personally think it would be best if the last memories he had were of a night like this surrounded by family. Gunner stood up from his chair and placed a hand on Cooper's shoulder. Putting a lot of faith in you, Coop. Please, don't let me down. With a final heavy sigh, Gunner went inside to help prepare dinner. Cooper found himself sitting alone on the front porch. The sounds that were drifting outside from the kitchen were filtered out. All he could hear were the buzzing of cicadas and a light breeze wafting through the tall grass near the edge of the property. Just like the first time he'd ever been in this house, the sunset was casting an eerie orange glow over everything. What had once been a living nightmare when he woke up strapped to a chair in Gunner's living room was now a place he considered to be his true home. He'd come to love and accept Gunner as the father figure that he never had growing up. Out of the corner of his eye, he saw a faint movement. The door to the barn had been left open, causing it to rock slightly on its hinges as it got caught in the breeze. A soft groan would escape the hinges, barely audible to Cooper over the distance. As he stared at the building that he had dragged his father into, the smell of blood began to fill his nostrils while the memories of that night came flooding back. He shook his head and jolted up from the rocking chair, not wanting to think about it any more. He walked inside just as dinner was being pulled from the oven. The four of them ate at the dining room table that had been adorned with the first flowers of spring. There were plenty of stories told and laughter to be had as the night began to fall over the small Texas farmhouse. The entire time Cooper's mind swarmed with the thoughts of what he was going to have to do 
later that night. However, he managed to keep his composure and put on a pleasant demeanor during all of it. After Susan served dessert, Andrew helped clear the table and put all the dishes in the sink. After they had all been scrubbed and placed on the drying rack, the four of them sat in the living room watching a movie on the television. The clock above the mantel was just about to strike ten when Cooper leaned over and whispered something in Andrew's ear. Would you mind coming outside and helping me with something? Andrew did not ask any questions and simply followed Cooper outside. As he opened the door, a symphony of the night filled their ears. The entire landscape had come to life with the sound of birds, insects, and other nightlife that inhabited the surrounding land. Cooper stepped off the gravel driveway onto the freshly cut grass, his boot leaving prints in his wake. The two men walked in the direction of the stables, guided by the faint shadows of vegetation in the moonlight. What do you think of living in this town? Cooper asked bluntly, not knowing how else to start the conversation. I mean, it's not bad or anything. I'm just not a big fan of the isolation. Cooper continued to walk as he pondered how to continue the conversation. Well, there's a reason this town has remained isolated when many others have evolved and expanded over the years. There's a reason. Real smooth move there, Coop. He thought to himself. I know. Cooper felt his heart skip a beat. He almost tripped in a shallow hole causing him to stumble slightly before regaining his balance. Whatever you think the reason is, I can guarantee you that's not it. You mean it's not because the people of this town practice cannibalism? Cooper was now at a complete loss for words. He'd ceased his stride, causing him to stand and simply stare at his stepson. Silence hung in the air around them save for the sounds of the surrounding wildlife. Although Cooper was tempted to say something immediately, his loss for words caused him to think over the next words carefully. Damn, you're even smarter than I originally anticipated. Andrew did not respond to this. He stood motionless and stared at Cooper with unblinking eyes. I guess before we get too deep into this conversation... I have to know, how'd you find out? Uncle Gunner and I do our best to keep all of this a secret from the kids. Andrew motioned his head to the side, signaling for Cooper to follow him as he began walking again, deciding it was best not to question the sudden leadership role that his stepson had taken, Cooper followed. Not every kid knows. Well, let me rephrase that. Some kids know, but not all of them believe it. The first time I heard these stories was in middle school. I was with a group of friends when some of the older kids started trying to spook us with tales about how some members of the town would go abduct people across the state and butcher them. As they continued to walk across the field, Cooper kept his gaze straight ahead. He did not speak a word and simply listened to Andrew's explanation. At the time, we didn't really think of it as anything more than some sick and twisted joke or a somewhat pathetic attempt to spook us. 
So when did you find out that it was actually all real? Cooper asked. Andrew paused for a moment as he gathered his thoughts. It was the day I spent the night at this kid's house for his birthday. We'd been good friends for years, so his parents let me stay for dinner and spend the night after all the other kids had gone home. His mother had made a roast that filled the entire house with an intoxicating aroma. At the time, I just thought she had splurged and spent a little extra cash on the good pork roast from the butcher. Andrew sighed and stared up at the stars in the sky. It wasn't until we were all seated around the dining room table and his mother placed the still steaming pan down in the middle that something struck me as odd. Whatever meat this was, it certainly didn't look like any kind of roast I'd ever had before. When I asked what it was, his parents just stared at me for a moment. The mother didn't know how to respond, so the dad just asked me if I wanted to try a little piece. Andrew ceased speaking, causing a silence to fill the space between them. So, what did you do? Cooper asked in a dry tone. I thought about all the rumors of people being abducted and butchered. I also thought about all the instances where some kids would stop coming to school. It suddenly occurred to me in that moment that perhaps there was some truth to those stories. My mind suddenly began to fear what would happen if I acted out at the table. So I did the only thing that was guaranteed to keep me safe. I took a big slab of it on my plate and ate every last bit. Cooper could hear Andrew swallow loudly. He assumed his stepson was having to swallow down vomit after reliving that memory. I don't totally disagree with it. I guess the one thing I don't like is that innocent people are usually the ones abducted for all this. I guess it'd be different if this was done with criminals or other degenerates of society. Cooper turned out Andrew's voice immediately after the sentence ended. From deep within his mind, a consideration came back that he tried to keep tucked away. Deciding this was as good a time as any, he stopped in his tracks. Andrew did the same when the familiar crunch of vegetation under his stepfather's boots ceased. Follow me, Andrew. There's something I think you need to see. Cooper turned on his heels and started back in the direction of the barn. Andrew followed close behind. During the walk over there, both remained quiet and to themselves. When they finally reached the tall and looming shadow of the barn structure, Andrew ran back to the house and soon returned with the iron post clenched tightly in his grasp. Trust me, you wouldn't need it to defend yourself, Cooper said with a forced chuckle. But I guess if it makes you feel comfortable, go ahead and bring it. Andrew stood in front of the large doors. One of them hung slightly ajar, causing the smell of old wood, motor oil, and decaying plants to come spilling out into the cool night air. It should go without saying, but I want to make sure you understand the severity of what I'm about to show you. If you speak a word of this to anyone, I won't hesitate to put you down. I've come to think of you as my son, my own flesh and blood, as much as it would pain me. 
Don't think that there would be any resistance for me to put a bullet through your head. Do I make myself clear? Andrew swallowed the lump in his throat and nodded his head. Cooper swung the door open fully and motioned for his stepson to follow inside. As Andrew stepped over the threshold, he placed the sleeve of his flannel shirt under his nose to avoid the growing severity of the smells inside. Cooper continued towards the back of the barn where a rickety flight of stairs ascended into a loft. Before going up on the first step, he grabbed a shotgun that was hanging from a hook on the wall. As the two men climbed up the stairs, the ancient wood groaned and squeaked under their weight. When they finally reached the top, Cooper reached out and flicked a light switch that was mounted on a structural post with the wires crudely stapled to the framework of the barn. To the right of the opening in the floor where the stairs came up, Andrew could hear a light bulb crackle to life and a sickly yellow glow filled the area in front of him. Cooper stepped out onto the loft and waited for Andrew to reach his side. Andrew could see that the floor was covered by a thick blanket of dust, although it had been disturbed in some places. His eyes then focused on a set of chains that were bolted to a large beam overhead. The links drooped down from the ceiling until about halfway between the beam and the floor, before curving out toward the back of the loft and disappearing into the shadows. Before Andrew was able to question what they were for, Cooper lifted his boot and banged it loudly onto the floor. "'Wake up!' he screamed in a deep, booming voice that echoed throughout the building and sent a chill down Andrew's spine. There was a moment of silence before shuffling could be heard from across the space. The chains rattled slightly, causing a metallic clinking to echo in the air. Andrew watched in horror as one hand, with a chain shackled around the wrist, stretched out from the shadows and clawed at the floorboards before it. Soon afterward, another one came forward with a matching chain shackle and caused the crackling of its joint to fill the air. Andrew found himself unable to move as the two arms extended into the light and heaved a body from the shadows. A head that was covered by greasy, disheveled hair emerged from the darkness. A mouth appeared from behind matte locks of hair and opened as if to scream, but only a painful squeak escaped. Its head slowly turned from side to side, attempting to locate where the sound of Andrew's heavy breathing was coming from. The thing let out a raspy wheeze as its gaze locked directly on him. Andrew started to step back, but Cooper quickly grabbed his shoulder and halted his movement. I brought someone to see you, he called out. This caused the creature to let out another painful, pitiful attempt at speaking. Extending a hand further, it caused the chains above to rattle and echo throughout the building. We're going to step towards you. We don't want any trouble like last time, do we? The head started to hang toward the ground. I said, now do we? Cooper slammed the heel of his boot even harder onto the floor this time. The boom 
caused the creature to throw its hands around its head and bend down into a fetal position. Stay close to me and listen to anything I say, Cooper said as he motioned for Andrew to follow him. Together the two took slow and cautious steps towards the being that was now huddled over in a ball on the floor. With each footstep that connected with the floor, Andrew could see its body tremble with fear. Now, within close distance, Andrew could tell this was not some starved creature, but a human being. Dad, who is that? Andrew asked as they stopped in front of the individual. Without speaking a word, Cooper used the barrel of his shotgun to pull the greasy strands of clumped hair away from the person's face. In the dim light from overhead, Andrew stared down at the face that he had not seen for years. Although yellow bandages had wrapped around his eyes, he was still able to recognize some facial features. He felt his limbs go numb and the iron post fell from his hand. It came down on the floor with a loud thud, causing the man that lay in front of them to throw up his hands in self-defense. Dad, I thought you... Your mother had to keep you from the truth for a reason. Andrew turned to Cooper with tears starting to run down his cheeks. Your daddy never died in a car crash like your mother always told you. She did that to spare you the truth until she felt you were ready to hear about it. She personally would have liked for you to stay oblivious to all of this for a few more years. But I don't see a better time for you to know than right now. Andrew continued to stare down at the malnourished and weathered figure of his biological father on the floor. The images in his mind of a once muscular and powerful figure were now replaced with those of a weakened person that lay before him. Why... Why did you do this to him? Andrew barely managed to choke out through heavy sobbing. Cooper took in a deep breath and prepared himself for the conversation he had always dreaded would come. I had only known your mother for just a couple of weeks when I first met your father. At first, he was respectful to me, and I grew to respect him. However, things immediately started to reveal themselves one night when your mother pulled me aside. She told me about all the times that he would beat her and how she thought I was the person that could finally help her escape the living hell he had turned her life into. Andrew looked up from his father to look at Cooper. A dead expression was plastered across his face as he glared down at the man before him. That wasn't even the worst of it. She told me that he had just recently started to sexually abuse her. It was small things at first, but they eventually grew to be extremely dark and sinister. It got to the point where your mother would fake having a late shift at work so that she could sleep in her car in the parking lot instead of going home to him. All that Andrew ever thought of his father over the years suddenly came crashing down around him as he stared down at the monster that lay trembling at his feet. For the first time in his life, Andrew could feel an emotion towards his father that he never thought would come forth. 
blistering anger. I told Gunner about this in confidence one night when I was visiting. As badly as I wanted to tell the police about all this, we both knew that that would only lead to the possibility of them finding out what goes on in this town. If we turned your father into the police, he could just as easily lead them back to what goes on here. Any sort of law enforcement presence in this town is extremely frowned upon. So we decided that the only sensible thing was to take matters in our own hands. Cooper paused for a moment and sucked in a deep breath before continuing. Gunner and I hopped into my truck and drove to your house one night when you were at a sleepover. As soon as we opened the doors and walked out onto the front lawn, we could hear your mother screaming from inside. We ran toward the front door and could see your father pinning her onto the floor. Thankfully, it let the door unlocked, so we burst in and took aim at him with our weapons. He was continually punching her in the stomach, and our sudden presence hardly seemed to slow him down. As badly as I wanted to blow his head off right then and there, your mother was too close for me to guarantee she wouldn't be hit as well. Gunner ran up behind him before he had time to react and smacked him on the back of the head with the butt of his rifle. Cooper crunched down and used the barrel of his shotgun to remove even more hair from around the father's neck area. A grimy bandage similar to the one around his eyes was wrapped around his throat. Andrew had no exact estimate as to how long it had been on him, but he guessed it had been a few years. We later came to find out that your mother had been pregnant. He didn't want another child and decided to kill the baby himself in a drunken stupor. We didn't reach your mother soon enough and she miscarried a few days later. Your Uncle Gunner and I decided it would be too merciless to kill your father after that night. Instead, we decided to keep him alive so he could spend the remainder of his days tortured by the consequences of his actions. He brushed the back of his hand against the man's cheek, causing him to flinch. Isn't that right, Mac? Cooper reached into his back pocket and retrieved a pocket knife. He slid the blade under the bandage, causing Mac to stiffen out of fear. With one swift moment, Cooper sliced off the bandage with a sickening tear. As it fell to the ground, Andrew stared at the darkened scar across his father's throat. Instead of gagging him, I came up with the idea of slicing his vocal cords. He'll never speak again, but his breathing isn't troubled like it would be with a sock stuffed down his throat. Should something ever happen where the authorities find him, he'll never be able to say what occurred here. Cooper grabbed Mac's hair and lifted his face up toward Andrew. This caused another painful squeak to escape his throat. As Cooper placed the blade under the bandages around his eyes, Andrew already feared that he knew what was going to be underneath. Cooper sliced off the fabric, revealing his father's shut eyelids. Zigzagging stripes of black thread held them together, and Andrew could feel bile begin to rise in the back of his throat. If he ever found a way to escape, we didn't want him to simply tear off a blindfold and find his way to the police. 
I also didn't want to completely remove his eyes and run the possibility of him getting an infection and dying prematurely. So, Gunner kept him knocked out and stitched his eyelids closed. Although this was a crude method, it was extremely effective nonetheless. Andrew opened his mouth to speak, but found himself unable to utter a single word. The man who he had idolized for years and missed so dearly now sat a broken man in front of him, a pathetic shell of the father he had known and loved for many years. A few more tears fell down his cheeks as he struggled to swallow the lump in his throat. I know this is a lot for you to take in right now, Andrew. No man should ever have to see his father in such a state like this. But I had to make it clear to you that not every bad action that goes on in this town is given to those who are undeserving. There are a lot of times where your Uncle Gunner and I have disposed of some horrible people on this earth. I just hope that you understand this. Now, when we get back to the house, I'm going to sit down with you and Uncle Gunner, and the three of us are going to have a talk about... Before Cooper was able to finish his sentence, Andrew picked up the wrought iron from the ground and swung it high up over his head. The length of metal came crashing down on Mac's head with a sickening crunch. Small droplets of blood scattered around the floor, a few of them splattering onto both of their clothes. Another gasp escaped Mac's throat, this one even louder than any previous. A crooked hand slowly lifted up in self-defense, only to be met with Andrew swinging the post with all his might. Cooper could hear the bones within his hand crack and protrude through the surface of his skin. Mac immediately retracted the limb against his body. Before he was able to huddle up anymore, Andrew brought the metal down onto his father's back. Cooper stumbled back and collapsed to the floor. Although no bones could be heard breaking this time, there was a sickening thump when it made contact. Andrew could hear his father sharply take in a breath, proceeding to violently heave and cough as blood dribbled down the corner of his lip. Andrew let out a blood-curdling scream as he continued to bludgeon his father in various spots on his back and head. One blow in particular came down with such immense force to the back of Mac's skull that the stitches over one of his eyes began to tear. An eye partially protruding from between the crusty skin of the eyelids and looked out upon the world. After years of being shielded and hidden away, the last thing Mac saw was his own son raising the iron post for one final blow. Andrew gritted his teeth and smashed the iron down onto his father's head. All the fractures that had been created along his skull finally connected and caused it to cave in. Andrew could hear a stomach-churning squish as bone fragments forced into the soft and now exposed tissue of his brain. With one final breath, Mac dropped his head onto the puddle of blood that had formed beneath him. The once shaking figure was now motionless. Andrew could feel his chest heaving as he took in deep breaths. Cooper stared at the body in complete awe from his position on the floor. 
He'd expected Andrew to have a few choice words with his father, but never anticipated the situation to escalate to this severity. Cooper wiped the blood that had splattered on his face with the back of his sleeve and looked up at Andrew. Although Cooper had been spared from the majority of the bloodshed, Andrew's clothes were heavily dosed in the dark crimson fluid. The flannel shirt and jeans would have to be burned later to dispose of any evidence, and possibly the shoes that were now slowly being soaked in the blood puddle that crept toward his feet. Andrew! Why? Cooper was unable to form a complete sentence. He continued to stumble over his words while glancing at his stepson. The blood on his face reflected in the sickly yellow light overhead. Andrew continued to stare down at his father's lifeless body as his breathing finally returned to normal. With a loud clang that echoed through the barn, the wrought iron post fell to the ground. Part of it landed in the blood puddle, causing some droplets to fly onto Cooper's shoes. We'll take care of this later, Andrew said without any sort of remorse or victory in his tone. Andrew bent down and pulled at Mac's hand. It was a sickening crunch as Cooper heard the bones in his fingers crack. Something was now clamped in Andrew's fist, but Cooper was unable to make out what it was. With one final glare at the mangled corpse before them, Andrew slowly turned on his heels and walked toward the stairs. As he passed, Cooper stared into his stepson's eyes. The joy and innocence that had once filled them had left, now replaced with a cold emptiness. Cooper stood to his feet and quietly followed Andrew back to the ground floor. As they turned toward the open doors and passed under the loft, Cooper felt blood seep through the floorboards and fall into his hair. The small puddles that were forming on the ground squelched under his boots as the men could once again hear the bugs outside. Stepping out into the coolness of the night, Andrew pointed his head toward the heavens and sucked in a deep breath. His eyelids fluttered shut as he slowly let the air out between his lips. Cooper stepped up to him, although hesitant at first. He slowly reached out and placed a hand on Andrew's shoulder. He did not immediately react, but slowly turned to face Cooper. The emptiness still lingered in his eyes, but a glimmer of happiness caused the corner of his lips to slightly pull into a smile. You all right there, Andrew? Cooper asked in a soft tone. Andrew let out a light chuckle and stared off at the farmhouse in the distance. Gunner and Susan suddenly stood up from their rocking chairs. She bolted down the front steps and sprinted in their direction, with Gunner following behind at a walking pace. I'm fine, Dad. I'm perfectly fine. Cooper felt the wind sucked from his lungs at that moment. Andrew had never called him Dad before and expected the day to not come for a long time. Andrew turned and gave Cooper a warm smile before wrapping his arms around him. Taken by complete surprise, Cooper slowly lifted his arms and returned the embrace. You make me proud to call you my son. Cooper let out through tears. 
and I'm proud to call you my dad. Andrew said just before Susan reached them. I could see the blood all over your white shirt from the porch. What the hell happened? She froze in place as Andrew turned and revealed the dark spots scattered all over the clothes. Susan clasped a hand over her mouth. Jesus Christ, Andrew, what the hell did you do? She struggled to hold back tears while her hands began to tremble. Max gone now, Andrew let out under his breath. Susan gave him a confused look before shaking her head from side to side. No, baby. Your dad's been gone for a long, long time. Andrew stepped forward and grabbed one of her arms. She placed his hand over hers and gripped it tightly. Blood ran down his wrist and slowly cascaded over Susan's skin. The still warm fluid almost caused her to pull back. I know the truth now, Mom. He's finally gone, though. Andrew pulled his hand away, and Susan looked down at what her son had left in the palm of her hand. Sitting in the small pool of blood was Mac's wedding band. Tears began to stream down Susan's cheeks as she held the tarnished gold ring between two fingers. Unable to speak, she threw her arms around Andrew and held him tightly. The wrought iron slipped from Andrew's fingers once more and fell in the grass to his side. His arms wrapped around his mother as she sobbed heavily onto his shoulder. Cooper watched from the side as Gunner finally reached the group. He walked up to Cooper and examined the bloodstains on his shirt. For the first time since his own father had been killed, Cooper saw a look of bewilderment on Gunner's face. The man looked up at the barn and then back down at Cooper. Without even having to ask the question, the man exchanged glances and a smile. Andrew let go of his mother and slowly turned to Cooper. With blood still speckled on his face, he smiled. Come on, Dad. Weather's fine. I know Uncle Gunner's been meaning to burn off some trash for a while now. With a pat on the back, Cooper wrapped his arm around Andrew's shoulder and the two men started back toward the farmhouse. The moon now hung in the center of the sky, bathing the land in an eerie blue tint. Gunner retrieved the wrought iron post from the ground, and he and Susan followed them. As they walked, she sniffled, and Gunner placed an arm over her shoulder. Susan smiled and wiped her eyes with the back of her sleeve. As they returned to the farmhouse... The iron post dripped blood the entire way. Small, dark splotches littered the grass in their wake. The doors to the barn swung slightly in the breeze, causing a haunting groan to echo into the night. I hope you enjoyed part two of the Texas trilogy, Midnight in Texas, from author Starless and Bible Black, as performed by yours truly. I'd like to personally thank you for joining me for this episode of Scary Stories Told in the Dark and the launch of our fifth season. If you enjoyed what you've heard, please take a moment to stop by our iTunes page or wherever else you listen to your favorite podcasts 
and leave us a five-star review and a kind word. It makes a huge difference and would mean a lot to us. If you'd like to hear a premium extended edition of tonight's and all of our other episodes featuring Twice the Terror, visit simplyscarypodcast.com today and click the Patrons link in the menu at the top of the screen. You'll find yourself at chillingtalesfordarknights.com where you can purchase season passes for this podcast and our other quality storytelling programs or become a patron for as little as $5 per month and get access to our entire audio archive dating back to 2012, all of it ad-free. If you happen to use Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube, you can follow and subscribe to Chilling Tales for Dark Nights there, where you'll get all of our latest updates and new releases and have the chance to interact with us each and every week. You can subscribe to me on YouTube as well at the Otis Jiry channel, where you'll find releases of my series, Horror Storytime, dating back to 2014. You can find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, too. Just search for Otis Gyre. Finally, thanks again to today's sponsor, AMC Network's Shudder, for their support of this show. Don't forget, as a listener, you can get 30 days of Shudder totally free by using promo code TOLD. That's right. To try Shudder free for 30 days, go to Shudder.com. That's S-H-U-D-D-E-R dot com. And use promo code TOLD to let them know that Otis and the team at Scary Stories Told in the Dark sent you. Simple as that. Once again, that's S-H-U-D-D-E-R dot com and promo code TOLD. Until next week, stay spooky and get some sleep, if you can. (laughs) thanks for listening you've been listening to scary stories told in the dark a production of chilling entertainment and the creative team at chilling tales for dark nights and a proud member of the simply scary podcasts network visit simplyscarypodcast.com today to learn more about our network and our other amazing storytelling programs Tonight's program was hosted, and its featured stories performed by yours truly, Otis Jiry. Selected stories have been adapted with the kind permission of their respective authors. Original music provided by Luke Hodgkinson and Jesse Cornett. Sound design and final mixing and mastering provided by executive producer and director Craig Groshek. Program's artwork and logo by David Romero. If you're looking for some fresh tales on a daily basis while waiting for the next podcast, check out my YouTube channel, The Otis Jiry Channel, and my extensive collection of narrated tales there. Simply search on YouTube by my name, and you'll find me. And don't forget to subscribe and press the bell notification icon to get my latest releases. Got a scary tale of your own that you'd like performed? I take submissions. Email it to me today at Otis at simplyscarypodcast.com to have your terrifying tome considered for production in a future episode of this show. That's O-T-I-S at simplyscarypodcast.com. If you've enjoyed what you heard on tonight's program and are joining us on your favorite podcast app, 
Subscribe to us to be sure you never miss an episode, and leave a five-star review and a comment. Your feedback means a lot to me. You can also follow Chilling Tales for Dark Nights and yours truly on Facebook to connect anytime and get the latest updates on this and other programs and my channel. If you're listening on the Chilling Tales for Dark Nights YouTube channel, do us a favor and hit the subscribe button and the bell notification icon for CTFDN as well to get more spooky tales from me and the crew and another episode of this program each and every Wednesday. And don't forget to hit that thumbs up button to tell us how we're doing and leave a kind word or a request. And don't forget to visit us at ChillingTalesForDarkNights.com and consider supporting the team by becoming a patron. In addition to helping us out, you'll get exclusive access to our audio archive and ad-free downloads of all your favorite stories, including those you've heard on this program. As for me, I'll be back next Wednesday with more terrifying tales to keep you up all night. But that's all right. Who needs sleep anyway? <laughs>